Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray, and today we're talking about Witch Week by Diana Wynne-Jones. A full transcript of this episode will be available, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! So I chose this book um, because it's one that I read um, over and over again as a kid. Um, Although, strangely, I never read any of the others in the series. Um, Because it's uh, part of a series by Dana Wynne-Jones of Crestomancy novels, um, which are all related to this character of Crestomancy, who's an enchanter who has... Nine Lives. Crestomancy is a title, so there are various Crestomancies, but um, in one of the other books, uh, The Lives of Christopher Chant, we follow Christopher as he becomes the Crestomancy. Um, And Crestomancy does turn up in this book, but it's quite a fleeting appearance, um, only towards the end. And otherwise it pretty much stands alone. So yeah, I was able to follow it and comprehend it. I don't know if I would have known um apart perhaps from uh you know, I might have thought, oh, this crestomancy figure's just gonna popped up out of nowhere, uh, somewhat inexplicably. But yes. I think if it weren't you know, apart from that I wouldn't have known it was part of a series. Yeah, I mean I do remember being a little bit confused about who this guy was who turns up towards the end and <laughs> is sort of feeling like I should know who he is but you can <laughs> you can read it um as a standalone so um, do you know how you came to the book like did you get it from the library was it bought for you um I don't know I owned it because I still um the copy I've been reading is the copy that I had as a kid um but I don't know where I got it from it um, found its way into your possession yeah um, the, the interesting thing that I found in, in looking at this copy is that all the, the quotes on the back um, are talking about how funny it is um, they're like very funny, highly entertaining compulsive, exhilarating and often hilarious um, and it is funny yeah, in, in places yeah, but I remember it as <laughs> being unsettling <laughs> Um, mostly that's the 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 lingering feeling I had about it is um, yeah. the setting of the school and the kind of miserable chilliness of this of this boarding school that it's set in um, I, I think I would have found it quite distressing as a child like mm. I found it tense certainly reading it now uh, I think as a child I, I would have found it quite upsetting because of this sort of constant 
undercurrent of the characters who are witches or believe themselves to be witches are going to get found out and then summarily burnt in a big bonfire. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, so this is not a world which treats uh, witchcraft with the uh, respect that it is due. No. Um, so, so our protagonists are class 2Y at Larwood House, which is a boarding school that we learn is known for having a number of witch orphans among the students. Um, and witch orphans are a phenomenon of this version of late 20th century Britain in which witches exist, but magic is so fiercely outlawed that witches are burnt at the stake. In fact, they've only just recently stopped burning witches at the stake in public, and now <laughs> now they do it in prisons. But yeah, um, and, I guess uh, it's a little like the shift in capital punishment. Yeah. Right. In England, which obviously existed up till the 60s, right? So mm. that it used to be that you were put on display as a, a spectacle, uh, you know, uh, outside Newgate or whatever and mm. strung up um, until you died. And, mm. and then they... Uh, far more respectably did it behind closed doors. <laughs> yes. Um, and um, the story starts with um, the class teacher finding an anonymous note that says someone in this class is a witch. And that is the the inciting incident for the book is someone's accused of being a witch. Who is it? Um, um, is it only one person who's a witch? As it turns out, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's sort of like uh, Agatha Christie's and then there were none, you know. Everyone's implicated, but but in a nice way, sort of. Oh, sort of like um, Murder on the Orient Express. Everyone, yeah, yeah. Everyone killed him, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> it turns out that um, at right at the end that actually nearly everyone in the class is a witch. Uh, nearly everyone in the world has some degree of witchcraft, but it's so thoroughly taboo that no one knows. <laughs> um, um, yeah, we could we could perhaps make a link with queerness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, really... Not 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 that we tend to do that. Or no, no. <laughs> Why would we do such a thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, so our main characters, um, at least to start with, our two main characters are Nan Pilgrim and Charles Morgan, who are the two class misfits, um, who are only surpassed in unpopularity by Brian Wentworth. Um, and in the first chapter, the students are writing their mandatory journals. And we sort of learn about the world's attitude to witches through Charles. Um, he writes his journal in code, as it's widely believed that the headmistress reads them all, which it turns out she does. Um, and he has code words for both of the witch encounters he has. Um, and the first one of which is actually glimpsing someone being burned on a bone fire um, as public burnings were still legal when he was a child and the second memory is of him helping a witch escape through his house um, when he was a child as well um, so it's sort of 
through Charles that we start to sort of learn what kind of world this is. Um, sort of, it's maybe not dissimilar to House of Stairs in that we kind of find out the details of this world through the microcosm of this school and these teenage characters. Um, yeah, yeah, and also like House of Stairs, the characters are a bit of a rum lot, albeit perhaps <laughs> not not quite so bad as. Uh, I mean, uh, Charles reminded me quite a lot of Mark Corrigan from Peep Show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's sort of huffily indignant and spends a lot of time thinking about how much he hates everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not... They're not the most... Um, uh, I mean, I think, yes, they're quite realistically they're quite quite, I was about to say prickly I think um Diana Wynne-Jones often has quite prickly protagonists ah okay so this Um, is the only Diana Wynne-Jones I've read yeah I've I've read a few um she's definitely not very sentimental (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) yeah I mean I read a review of this on Goodreads and it was compared to Harry Potter and uh, posited that it might be an influence on Harry Potter uh, in as much as obviously it's a school well not a school for witches in this case but a school mm. with witches um, <laughs> and you know it's a class and the, the, there's magic but it also just plays through the kind of class rivalries and bullying that you'd get in a school um, but they I pointed mean, out that compared to Harry Potter you know the characters aren't necessarily the most likeable <laughs> um, they said that it was a much sort of uh, more sort of gloomy and downbeat kind of read than Harry Potter oh yeah um, it's tonally a lot different um, I mean I've never read Harry Potter oh, so uh, I wouldn't no. know <laughs> yes of course <laughs> um, yeah I mean I I read quite a lot of boarding school stories as a kid and I think I was never quite convinced by ones that made it sound like it was all glorious larks like (laughs) (laughs) um, I think this book kind of struck me as more realistic as a kind of horrible idea of never being able to escape school or your classmates <laughs> um, oh god yeah I mean <laughs> I, I have to admit I'm very thankful I didn't go to boarding school because yeah like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it doesn't even really bear thinking about I know right <laughs> I think I actually shuddered when I, I realised you know they're all sleeping in dormitories like oh my god can you imagine? Um, like, I think the, it does do a very good job at bringing or reminding you, I guess, as an adult reader, of quite how awful a lot of school is. Like, <laughs> we do this to millions of children. Like, what are we doing? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what kind of monsters are we? <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, yeah. That you're I mean, forcing kids in this environment where, yeah, they may well be made to feel thoroughly miserable. And the, I like the fact that the teachers are all, they're so kind of caught up in their own personal lives mm. that, you know, they barely think about the kids. Or <laughs> when they do, it's, you know, only like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I better be nice to this kid because that will look good for the headmaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um... I think Diana Wynne-Jones is pretty good at sort of capturing the kind of sort of 
loneliness and awfulness and misery that you sometimes have being a kid. <laughs> just with um, just that feeling of there being no respite, right? And that feeling, yeah. especially if you're getting bullied, that you kind of know that the adults will be ineffectual. And indeed, I mean, like you know, <laughs> when I was so I laugh, but uh, when I, you know I, I was bullied a lot at school, and I remember my mum eventually came in in around year nine and um, to talk to my form teacher about it and according to my mum and she's a trustworthy person um, my form teacher who was a pretty odd individual um, his response to my mum telling her about all this so telling him about all this was to look at my grades and say well look at Adam's grades it seems that Adam's good at RE and I always say if you're good at RE you've got nothing to worry about <laughs> So I, I don't know if he expected me to make the sign of the cross at my my persecutors or what. That's so bizarre. Um, and I remember that there was one one kid who would sort of regularly like punch me on the arm and you know would punch me on the arm in the same place you know where it was mm. bruised. Um, and his response was to pair me up with this kid in four time form time mm. to try to you know so so that hopefully together we'd, we'd make friends and of course all that happened was this gave him more access to punching me yeah uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> like, and it just felt like i was being punished for the fact that i was being bullied basically mm. um and so i think the book gets across a good sense of this sort of that wanton unfairness you feel as a child right yeah that like adults will make these decisions like, you know, I, I was in a particularly disruptive form group and mm. so I often suffered class detentions and I hated class detentions mm. because I was I was very, you know, I took a lot of, of pride in the fact that I never otherwise got a detention at school. Mm. Um, but I suddenly had a fair few class detentions in which I felt I was being, you know, damned uh, by association, basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I always really resented these, like the fact that I, I should lose my lunchtime because, you know, the people in the form who generally were the ones who bullied me were acting mm. up and thus I would end up being punished. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So I, I could see how you might end up like Childs, you know, mm -hmm. being like a sort of huffy Mark Corrigan, <laughs> just sort of <laughs> resenting everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, fair enough. <laughs> um. And um, yeah, Nan has Nan Pilgrim has her her own problems as well because uh, well she's she's kind of chubby and awkward and um, anyway, but then um, it the um, the headmistress sort of accidentally revealed to the school that her that her given name is Dulcinea um, and that she's a dis uh, witch. Uh, is the name of the uh, arch witch who attempted to lead a historical witch rebellion. Um, to to be called Dulcinea in this world is uh, is pretty scandalous. Um, well, they made the comparison. It's like if you're called Guy Fawkes. Yeah. Um, or I guess I don't know Charles Manson. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a yeah, it's a pretty outrageous thing to be called in this world that's so opposed to witchcraft. Um, and it, and it turns out she is named for the Archwitch, who is a descendant of hers. Um, but this means that everyone immediately believes that Nan is the witch of 2Y. Um, 
And we, we get access to how these different kids feel about this through their, well, diary entries, but basically they have to keep a journal um, within mm. class, which, as you said, they know the headmistress will read, but um, they still do record their kind of personal feelings to some extent. Mm. So, so you get a sense of Nan's unhappiness, partly through having access to her thoughts, but partly also because we get to see her journal entries. Yeah. Um, um, I wanted to ask before we move too far away from this. Did did you ever have detention as a kid? Like, did you ever do anything to um, be put in detention? Uh, <laughs> yeah, strict, strictly off the record, Ren. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I've heard about your antics as a child, putting a chicken on a train. <laughs> I definitely did antics, but I don't think they were ever quite antics enough to me to get in, in proper trouble. Yeah. Because, um, like, I definitely sort of tried to bend the rules like like I always always tried to have lunch in places we weren't meant to be having lunch like up various <laughs> corridors and stairwells and things oh, <laughs> um, so because it was just like apart from everyone else and you could just sit like with a group of friends and have lunch yeah. um, so sit- situationist reclaiming of <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, um, and like, you know, if the head of year found us, then she'd tell us to go away, but it was never quite bad enough. Um, so you, you were sort of a, a member of an eccentric gang, right? Uh-huh. Of a sort, or a, a friendship group. I can't, did, yes. I can't remember, did you, and you had, did you have a name for yourselves? I can't remember. Um, we were called the Chicken Gang. And this is because of the, the chicken on the train? Uh, or the, the underground? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just setting him up to have to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we had a um, we decided to have a day of kind of absurdist activity in central London, in which we we did various silly things like dressing up in cardboard and taking vegetables for walks on on a string and stuff things just things <laughs> like that. But um and then uh, on that same day we happened to be on the tube and just sitting sort of nonchalantly on the back of the tube seats there was a unwrapped frozen supermarket chicken. <laughs> um <laughs> and um I think we we're actually already called the Chicken Gang. Oh, I think it, but, yeah. But, but this only solidified. This only solidified the association, and um, so we sat opposite this. And then, when everyone came and sat down in front of this chicken, and so we gleefully tell them that there was a chicken behind them, and they look <laughs> suspicious. They'd be like, hmm, and then turn around and be like, oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, you rascals. <laughs> yes, yes. Um. <laughs> We're cutting this out, right? <laughs> no, no, this is important information. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, you don't get much. You get a sense that there aren't really any friendships at this school, um, and it's only really through the. Um, it's interesting that, that that through the kind of suspicions and everyone trying to work out who's a witch, and then once they think someone's a witch, wanting them to. Um, do spells and such that they actually start forming real friendships mm. that at the start of the book everyone's very isolated and alone um you know there are kind of some of the popular kids like like simon have um you know hangers on but they don't seem mm-hmm. to be like real friends um and it's only really uh as the book goes on you start to get kind of solidarity between some of the different characters and they, they they do by the end of the book they seem to be much closer yeah i i thought that was interesting um i i liked the um the arc around estelle um mm. who's um she's introduced very dismissively um as a kind of wannabe popular girl like um teresa's sort of the the perfect model student um and um, Estelle is sort of described as just a, a sort of hanger on and a kind of described as being quite airheaded. Yeah, or not not self willed. She's definitely yeah. Um, uh, but actually, um, over the course of the story, um, we find out that she um, was involved in the underground witch resistance um, through her mother. But then, when that was when that was broken up by the Inquisitors, um, she was sent away to this school. And she, um, when later in the book, Nan um, finds out that she can ride a broomstick and she goes out, this this broomstick sort of demands to be ridden, so she, she goes out of the dormitory at night. Um, and when she comes back and she's totally soaked, um, Estelle's the one who who's changed the sheets on her bed and helps her sort of hide the evidence and um and then when the inquisitor is going to come to the school which we'll get to but um estelle and nan uh run away together and it turns out that estelle's actually quite kind and brave and <laughs> like um but and she's still a kind of girly character like she doesn't become less kind of you know, feminine to prove that she's actually an interesting character. But no, she's she's not like a tomboy character. Mm. Um, but yeah, she's she's shown to have these qualities that that aren't there, um, aren't apparently there at the beginning. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess an advantage of having so, as listeners may have already got the impression of there aren't really protagonists in this book mm. i mean it sort of focuses on charles and Anne, but really it's it it's the whole class um so a disadvantage is sometimes it feels like this is an odd smorgasbord you know we're like cross-cutting between these different characters and mm. uh, sometimes it feels like it's in danger of losing focus although i think mostly there's enough incident and um funny bits that that doesn't really happen um but an mm. advantage is that i think we do get um a good sense of all of these kids and um we do get the sense of the class as a unit and how the school works 
So mm-hmm. you, you you get a sense of the interactions and the kind of rhythms of the school, and um, I think yeah, I, I did feel like um, don't say part of the class, but you know, I I felt like I knew the class as a whole by the end of the book. Yeah, um, which isn't something that I think I've always found reading like young mm. adult fiction. So that that you know, normally you are faced more with individuals, whereas this works slightly differently so that was interesting mm. um, different characters sort of become more prominent as the book goes on like Estelle and um, uh, Nirupam Singh as well um, mm. who are sort of they both kind of reveal themselves to be allies um, when uh, Nan is being so thoroughly accused of witchcraft by everyone um, and yeah, there's, they sort of become, yeah, much more integral to the to the plot as it goes I, on. Actually, yeah, in that way, it reminds me of a film roughly contemporary with Witch Week, which is The Breakfast Club. In as much as The Breakfast Club obviously sets you up <laughs> with um, a bunch of students who are defined variably as you know the jock, the the weird one. Um, yeah. The, and and then it kind of tests those stereotypes, and then by the end of it, you have a, a fuller sense of who these these kids are, and that yeah. they have a fuller sense of their own identities and of each other's identities. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't sure, so, so I threw it out. So I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think like similarly as you're saying, they're all quite suspicious of each other to begin with, but um Yeah, um and they're not like necessarily all the best of friends by the end. Like Brian is <laughs> um doesn't really have a, a redemptive <laughs> arc at all. Um, well, so so Brian is the the son of the um, is it the head teacher or uh, the deputy head teacher? The deputy head teacher, and so he's also um, quite intelligent, um, but he's not particularly agreeable. So he, you know, he's easy. He, he doesn't have very much that's charming about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so you know, he'd get picked on anyway um, as the son of a teacher. Um, mm. But yeah, so he. he 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 gets a pretty bad deal of things, um, but you don't get the sense that Diana Wynne Jones particularly likes him either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, she's obviously quite fond of Charles, and uh, yeah. I think yeah. um, like you get a sense that she can kind of relate to them. Whereas <laughs> I don't think she really likes Brian. <laughs> no, I think because um, um, when um, at one point I think it's possibly Nirupan is like, oh, I I always thought that you know Brian's. <laughs> Brian's disagreeableness was because he gets picked on so much, but actually I think he might just be <laughs> a nasty person. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, um, and he, he he has um I think there was a, a slightly um a slight tone of like nerd nerd alert <laughs> to it because there's a whole thing of him charting like um train journeys in his head. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> then when he's meant to be doing his activities, he's actually, like, imagining train journeys. Like, I, I, yeah. I felt this was uh, this was not meant to be a charm point. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was quite cool, but... <laughs> you were like, hey, Brian, you're cooler than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite an interesting thing to do with this. You, you and me both, Bay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but maybe I'm a nerd. Oh, well, well, I think we're both both kind of nerds. <laughs> um. Um, so, so Brian is also responsible for the kind of the thing that accelerates the plot towards the end of the book, where because he he's so he's so having such a horrible time, and he decides to run away from the school, um, and he gets the idea that he's going to blame the witch who by this time um various magic has been happening in the school so there's definitely definitely known that there's at least one witch about so brian decides that he's going to place the blame on the witch run away and claim that he was put under the spell of the witch um so he he like writes a big screed in his um in his journal about how he's He's being possessed or he's been subject to the evil eye and then runs away. And um, this... Uh, and he keeps giving himself a lazy eye. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he seems to be <laughs> able to make himself go pale and <laughs> have a lazy eye at will. I mean, yeah. it's, it's shown that, that he, he also is a witch. So, <laughs> so yeah, he, he, he's using his powers in the best way possible. <laughs> um. So um, I think we should maybe talk a bit about some of the magic that that happens before that point. Yeah, well, the magic is quite oddly defined, right? I mean, it might mm. just be that, you know, I haven't read lots of fantasy, admittedly. Um, so my main experience with magic, I guess as a kid, would have been reading the Discworld books. Um, mm -hmm. But then after that, um, having read a certain amount of Ursula Le Guin and... Mm. Ursula Le Guin is pretty thorough with her uh, her magic ontologies. Mm. Um, the, you know, magic in Ursula Le Guin has quite a kind of solid linguistic base. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. like, whereas it's interesting because a lot of these kids, you know, are only, you know, it's almost like, I guess, they're, they're adolescent and it's like going through puberty perhaps, you know, that they're, they're coming into their realisation that they're witches. Mm -hmm. Right? And so... There's a lot of sort of trying magic on the fly, right? You know that the, yeah. they'll say, "Oh, rap, no, no, ab abracadabra, hocus pocus, uh, <laughs> make this town swarm with locusts." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then look at their witches; it works. <laughs> yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. That like, I think it's. I feel like it's sort of because obviously they haven't been taught how to use their magic, and any information about magic is so repressed that they just sort of <laughs> just wave their hands and mutter and say abracadabra and make out little rhymes. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have, they have to wing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, also, but, but, but it works, which <laughs> I quite like. <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. a scrappy ad hoc uh, approach to magic, but it's quite yeah. different to anything. I mean, as I, said, I haven't read the Harry Potter. 
No, really. It's the only thing that's interesting about me. Don't take it away from me. <laughs> um, but, but my impression um, from the little I do know and, and the film I watched is that um, magic is a bit more systematised, right, in the Harry Potter mm. universe. Yeah, I mean, their magic is like in, in the first Harry Potter book when um, Harry meets Ron on the train and Ron's like, oh, oh, I've got told this spell. And he says, um, sunshine, daisies, butter, mellow, turn this stupid fat rat yellow. And obviously it doesn't do anything because that's not how magic works in Harry Potter. Ah, uh, okay. But that's how magic works in this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, so... I think the first magic that happens is um, is the birds appearing in their music lesson um, because they all the songs seem to be about birds um, and then um, and then all these birds start streaming through the windows um, including like I don't know like an albatross or and like, a parrot and a parrot a parrot that shouts cookie um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's I think the more outlandish birds are are disappeared and then <laughs> well I've got lots of birds on my cover so what what cover do you have Oh okay I have um um so it's it's Nan on on a broomstick she's like wearing the the sort of pink blanket as a cape and flying above the 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 school and this field surrounding it and below her there's what is presumably Mr Wentworth um on a flying carpet Yes, um, that would be Mr. Wentworth, yeah. I guess. It, he doesn't look old enough. To be, <laughs> okay. But um but he's he's uh, shaking his fist at Nan above him. <laughs> and, and she and Why she's waving. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 very much that pose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I've got uh Crestomancy uh, striding towards uh, the school in the distance, uh, mm. and then he's surrounded by uh, lots of different exotic birds. So mm. um, there's a stork and a parrot and an owl and a flamingo mm. and a toucan, which might be. Oh, oh yeah. good. <laughs> mm. And it says underneath, no magic allowed here. Oh, yes. <laughs> quite, quite right. Um. <laughs> so um, then, then there's the magic with the shoes. Yes, um, so Charles has, or oh, his, um, his, the bully character, uh, Dan Smith, has, has hidden Charles's running shoes. Yeah, well, um, I know that kind of jape too well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, so Charles tries to magic, tries to find his shoes by magic. But instead of doing that, he summons all the shoes in the school, um, and um, into an enormous pile. It's, I think it's because he's panicking and he can't work the magic properly. So, yeah, yeah there's some idea that if witches are scared, that mm -hmm. the magic goes wrong. So, so there's this vast pile of shoes, and they have to um, spend the morning laying out all these shoes in the quadrangle so that people can come and and select the ones that are theirs. And um, people are quite uh, determined by this time that it's Nan, and they're like, oh, really, Nan? Why did you do this? It's so inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all seem decidedly unimpressed. Like, like <laughs> yeah. come on, like, I know you're a witch, but <laughs> what's this? Shoes? This is rubbish, Nan. 
Yeah. Um, and so Charles's um, next um, escapade into magic, like he wants to do something better than just create an enormous pile of shoes. Um, so he decides to put a spell on Simon, who's the, the sort of perfect boy, um, and that means that everything he says will come true. Um, and at first this seems like it's totally backfired as Simon's just um, creating a massive pile of, uh, of gold coins for himself. <laughs> um, but um, then um, it sort of goes kind of awry um, and uh, it starts causing chaos by... Um, what does he do? He he says he tells them the girls that they stink and then they're all And then they all all stink. They all, they all stink. Um and he, he manages he says something like, I haven't got a thought in my head uh or something along those lines and yeah. manages to then um make it so he doesn't have a thought in his head but then he also ends up being kind of sneaky. Um do you <laughs> yeah. have do you have illustrations in your coffee? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the drawing of him looking kind of empty-headed but sneaky is really funny. <laughs> but... <laughs> it's a ridiculous drawing. It's really funny. <laughs> oh, you should put that up. Um... Oh, I think I might have to scan this one in. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty good illustration. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Nirupan manages to... Um... Well, he thinks he breaks the spell. Um by getting Simon to say something like, oh, none of what I'm saying comes true, or yeah. nothing I say will come true. And later it turns out that he didn't break it, he just reversed it, so that now anything that Simon says will not come true. Um, and I'm not quite sure at what point in this chronology, but one of the most um, memorable scenes is that... Um, Charles decides to um, to give himself a painful reminder um, to not do witchcraft. Um, I think he's um, I think he's uh, he's brought to Mister Wentworth and um, and sort of told like if you keep doing this, you, you know you. An inquisitor will find you, and you will be burned. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, Charles decides that he is going to impress this upon himself that it hurts to be burnt. Do you have and this bit to read? Oh yeah, okay. Um, so this is Charles has borrowed a candle, um, and he's put his finger in it. And for a second, he thought the flame was not going to burn him. It just felt warm and wet. Then, quite suddenly, it was hot, and it hurt very much indeed. It hurt, as Charles had expected, in quite a different way from cutting yourself or stubbing your toe. This was a much nastier pain, sharp and dull together, which brought Charles back out, Charles's back out in goose pimples and jangled the nerves all the way up his arm. Imagine this all over you, he thought. It hurts to be burnt. He took hold of his wrist with his other hand and held it hard to stop himself snatching his finger out of the pain. It hurts to be burnt. It did hurt, too. It was making sweat brickle out just beneath his eyes. It must be for a dare or a bet, he heard Simon saying. 
Which is it? Tell, or I'll put the candle away again. A bet, Charles answered at random. It hurts to be burnt. It hurts to be burnt. He thought this over and over, intent on branding it into his brain, or into whatever part of him that it was that did magic. It hurts to be... Oh, it hurts. Hurts to be burnt. Some people, Simon remarked, make awfully stupid bets. Charles ignored him and tried to keep his jerking finger steady. It was trying to jump out of the flame with its own accord. The finger was now red, with a white band across the red. He could hear a funny noise, a sort of tiny frizzling, as if his skin was frying. Then suddenly he could bear no more. He found himself snatching his finger away and blowing out the candle. The boys watching him all let out a sigh, as if they had been holding their breath. Hmm. Pretty dark um, for a kid's book. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so that was that was definitely a bit that stuck with me. Um, <laughs> yeah, then, uh, I think... <laughs> I think some of the horror is also the fact that he's in such a desperate state that he's able to physically force himself to do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, sort of just imagining that, because, you know, <laughs> no one knows if you, if you know if you ever actually burnt yourself on something, you know, you reflexively pull your hand away like. yeah yeah absolutely like if you burn yourself on the hob or whatever mm. yeah you, you just instinctually mm. just so yeah no I, I found that bit quite powerful um, yeah I, I like the way that the kids at first they're finding it funny and then by the end of it obviously they're quite disturbed by it and you know holding their breath simply yeah. in this sort of bewildered grim fascination yeah I like the way that it reflects the way that sometimes that can happen as kids, you know, someone can do something that starts as a jape and then, you know, ends off going too far or becoming disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, I say my, my my best friend Peter was somewhat the master of this kind of thing, <laughs> uh, mm. basically. Like, uh, I remember him gashing his leg open I think in sixth form. Um, while trying to scale some kind of fence and uh, came back into the class and, uh, you know, had blood just streaming down his leg. And people were like, oh my gosh, Peter, you're bleeding. And uh, he, you know, of course, ended up applying the blood to his face, uh, so marking his face in blood. And then uh, I think uh, scooping up the blood with mini cheddars um, (laughs) and, and gobbling it down. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure with, 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 with some some enthusiasm from myself, I will admit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but mm. P- 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 Peter was very good at excelling himself in, <laughs> in out- out- outlandish uh, and somewhat scary behaviour. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it also gets fairly dark with uh, with Nan as um, the other girls also the group of popular girls corner her in the bathroom and um, demand that she rides a broomstick um, as she's a witch um, and um, threaten to drown her yeah uh, like they sort of start start um threateningly running the bath and say oh witches don't drown you know we could put you underwater and you wouldn't drown um they um 
this only gets stopped because this is when the uh, the Simon Says spell kicks in. So they all run away to see to see what Simon's doing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty threatening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I never had my head put down the toilet as a kid, but having OCD, it was a pretty mm. present worry that this would happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd heard of it happening in the school. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the idea of being sort of waterboarded, basically, in a toilet, yeah, well, well, it mm. was genuinely something that scared me quite a lot as a kid. Mm. And then um, it turns out that Nan, um, that Nan can ride the broomstick, um, although not very well. It sort of drags her up to the ceiling. Um, oh, it's, it's not her fault. The broomstick's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and I like the fact that the book, Diana Wynne-Jones points out that riding a broomstick would be really uncomfortable, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of descriptions of those sort of have having to <laughs> wrap your limbs around this ridiculous knobbly um hard stick yeah <laughs> and how impractical that is yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so she only gets the the broom to put her down by promising promising it that she, she'll take it out later on um yeah um but the broom is a double crossing broom it is because it turns out that it's actually uh, Brian Wentworth's broom, um, because when Nan takes it out, um, she's all wrapped up in blankets, and she meets Mr. Wentworth riding the flying carpet. Um, I don't think he uh, shakes his fist at her, <laughs> as um, illustrated on this cover, but he, he thinks that she's Brian, um, and says, oh, can't you control that thing yet? And I told you not to take it out during term time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it turns out that Mr. Wentworth is, is also a witch. Um, so, so as you said, um, well, Nan uh, and is it Estelle? Yeah. Sort of summon Christomancy. Yes, so they go to, um, they escape from the store, because um, after Brian disappears and blames it on a witch, um, an inquisitor is going to come to the school, so so Charles and Nirupam and Nan and Estelle separately escape. Um, Nan and Estelle go to this uh, old building that Estelle knows about to um, to try and find the witches underground, um, and it turns out that it's just one old woman who sort of the the organisation's been disbanded by the inquisitors, and she's only allowed to to stay there because uh, she's so elderly um, and is constantly being monitored so all she can do is give them this spell that's been passed down to her um, which is just to go to a certain place in the woods and to say the word crestomancy three times Um, so Nan and Estelle are going to the woods um, and separately um, Charles and Nirupam are flying to also towards the woods um, on a mop and a hoe, as um, as the uh, 
the broom is otherwise engaged. Um, so, which is is quite a funny sequence. Um, yeah. It seems like all, all the um, all the implements that could be used for flying have different personalities. <laughs> I know, kind of. There's sort of. So. It ends up, yeah. Um, they they find Brian in the woods, and he's very annoyed to be um, to be found by them. Um, and the, the five of them are there when Crestomancy is summoned. And um, and I guess for most readers, it's like, hey, it's Crestomancy. I was waiting for him, and for us, he <laughs> yeah, yeah. And me oh. now, we're like, oh, hey, it's Crestomancy. It's uh, Crestomancy. Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. So. Um, he is um, quite bewildered to find himself where he is. <laughs> as bewildered as the reader is. As bewildered as the reader, if you haven't read any of the other books. Um, and um, sort of his, the, the quest from this sort of the last quarter of the book is Crestomancy trying to find out um, what has gone wrong with this world. Um, for it to to exist that it's sort of like 20th century late 20th century Britain but there's still witches being burnt um, and he's so the world in the in the world of Crestomancy is there about um, series of worlds um, and different books are set in different different versions of these worlds some of which have magic some of which don't um, and um and sort of the the people who are able to go between them um and that basically crestomancy feels that this that this world is a kind of offshoot of our one that should never have happened um but because talking about witchcraft is so um strongly forbidden it's really hard for him to find out exactly what has gone wrong. So he essentially um, makes the kids invisible and takes them back to the school and sort of sets up a... But he pretends to be the Inquisitor and sort of sets up a, um, an Inquisitor's room to, um, to talk to all the kids um, on the pretense of, you know, trying to find out if they're a witch or not. But actually... Um, trying to get clues as to what's happened to this world. Um, yeah. Um, well, did, did you want to say how, how the book ends? Yeah, so the book ends with... Um, basically, there's a... The, the kind of reveal that everyone's a witch. Um, nearly everyone is a witch. And um, we eventually figure out that the... Um, what has gone wrong is um, is to do a Guy Fawkes and in this world Guy Fawkes blew up the Houses of Parliament and when he did that it was at the end of the Witch Week and this kind of blew all this magic out into the world so witchcraft's incredibly common but also incredibly feared so we come back to the um, to the Simon Says spell and um 
sort of Nan's using her her gift of description to um, to describe exactly what happened with Guy Fawkes, and the class kind of all use their magic together, um, and then they get Simon to say that Guy Fawkes blew up the Houses of Parliament, and. Which that. means that it didn't happen. Which means that it didn't happen. <laughs> and the world is sort of folded back into um, the world that it should have been. <laughs> um, and sort of, it sort of ends with this kind of alternative, alternative view of these characters sort of in a sort of ordinary school. Um, and um, just uh, where it seems a lot, <laughs> a lot less grim. Um, and... Um, and like in uh, a um, an, an echo of the beginning of the book, the the teacher finds a note that says someone in this class is a witch, but this time all the class think this is wonderful and they're like, "Oh, I'm a witch! I'm a witch! It's me! It's me!" <laughs> and that's how it ends. Um, so, uh, texture of the week. Oh, I've got ah. Uh... <laughs> um. <laughs> So, um, I have two. One of them's horrible, though. Oh, that's all right. That's fine. Yeah. Textures can be horrible. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, I briefly mentioned there... Do you want to go first? Because I've been talking a bunch. Well, yeah, although I'm I'm concerned maybe it'd be the same, because I was thinking uh, Charles's blistered finger. Oh, no. No, that wasn't mine. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that... um, I mean, my, my, my sister... Um, and she she's fine now. Uh, but last year, I think, or the year before, burnt burnt. She accidentally dropped some boiling water on her foot, mm. and her foot really, really blistered up. Uh, mm. And some of the toes were like you know, sort of three times their normal size. Um, mm. And she she let me feel them, and <laughs> they, they they felt like smooth plastic. Yeah. Yeah, it was so strange. It was really hard to connect it to the sensation of skin because it was so mm. kind of uniform and kind of textureless. Yeah. Um, so I guess because of that, I had quite a clear sense of of Charles's blistered finger. Mm. Um, and also the knobbly broom, I suppose, when having to ride the brooms. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no, I got two different, totally different ones. Um, oh, okay. So one of them was, um, it turns out that uh, Charles's missing shoes um, were the um, the bully had hidden them under the floorboards where they hide their midnight snacks and Nirupam found them and turned them into a cake <laughs> um, <laughs> so that uh, um, the bully Dan would eat them. Um, so he says, um, the spikes were turned into cherries, the soles were the cream, the shoes as a whole became what is called a Black Forest Gatto. <laughs> 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 um, just imagining this uh, pair of shoes turned into a cake. Yeah, it's quite, quite a Jan Schrankmeyer-like image. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my other one is from uh, from the scene that we haven't mentioned yet, but um, is also pretty memorable, is where... Um, Nan, Charles, and Nirupam are called to the to the high table to have um, dinner with the headmistress, 
Um, oh yes, right near the beginning of the book. Yeah, and um, Nan gets this compulsion to describe the food in the most horrible way possible. Um, just sort of narrate <laughs> the food, um, and um, so she's just describing. Um, now these things, Nan continued, uh, stabbing her fork into a tin tomato, are small creatures that have been killed and cleverly skinned. Notice when you taste them the slight sweet savour of their blood. <laughs> yeah, um, It's a gift for memorably horrible description. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, did, did you find it scary? I didn't find it scary. I found it, I found it unsettling and disturbing. I yeah, I think it, it's, I think it's legitimately horrifying in a quiet mm. way. Like it's more of a fantasy novel than a than a horror novel, obviously. Mm. But um, yeah, it definitely has like a kind of dark and gloomy atmosphere to it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you can definitely feel sort of the the oppressive weight of this world and the um and the the constant threat of you know the inquisitors and um that you know and it, and it's horrifying the idea that that people are are regularly burnt alive and <laughs> that's just something that's accepted um And on that note... <laughs> <laughs> There's one more thing I liked, um, oh. which was that um, <laughs> magic is actually quite a good replacement swear word. Oh, it um, is actually. I thought yeah. that too, on magicking. Magicking, was... hell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, it's got that good K sound to it. Yeah, maybe, you know, we're obviously, we try to be a, uh, a pretty universal... Um, <laughs> You know, we're on on iTunes, um, where you can review us. Mm, mm. So, yeah, uh, we're we we're, we're down as being like suitable for all. I think. Yes. Yes. Um, um, so we don't generally swear, but if we do feel the need, we could say magicking. In yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's something. It's quite good. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you want to do the credits? Hmm. So you can find us on Twitter at StillScaredPod or email us at uh, StillScaredPodcast at gmail.com. Our intro music's by Maki Yamazaki. Our outro music's by Joe Kelly. Our artwork's by Letty Wilson. And I'll put all the links in the show notes um, where there will also be a transcript. Um, do you have a sign-off, Adam? Yeah, have a magicking good week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have a magic and good week speaker kids see you next time <laughs>